Our scripture reading this morning will be from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And I read, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? I'm sorry, I read the wrong scripture. Okay, here we go again. Okay, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is in your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I know in my first sermon I did here, I said this year has been probably one of the worst years of all of our lives. But I'll say this, this has probably been one of the best summers of my entire life. Being here, I have learned so much from Brother John and Brother Jordan and Brother Daniel and the elders and everybody here. And I want to take just a moment before I enter into our lesson to say thank you. Not just to our elders, and not just to the preachers here, and not just to the deacons, but to everybody here, every each individual person here, thank you. You have made this summer as crazy as it has been, you have made it enjoyable, and I love each and every one of you. Thank you. Speaking of it being a crazy year, at the beginning of this year, I had grand plans. I planned on going camping with my friends on four different occasions. I planned on traveling to different cities and towns and visit my cousins to see some old friends. I planned to go out of state and visit landmarks. I even planned on going to a summer camp called Peach Valley. I planned on having a 12-week internship. But within one week, all of those plans fell to ruin. Um, my traveling plans got canceled. My camping trips with my friends got canceled. The Peach Valley got canceled. My 12-week internship got shortened into a six-week internship. Everything was just like that. It, all of it got thrown off to the side. It fell to ruin. And the plans that I had for myself did not go the way I thought it did. But God had a plan for me. The Christians in the first century church that we read of in the book of James had this exact same attitude. In the first century, in the first century church, the Christians um, thought that they were going to go into such and such a city and buy and sell and get gain. But God had something to say about this attitude. And this morning, with the time that we have remaining, I want to consider four different things that God tells us about this attitude. First we will consider an inconsistency with this attitude. We will then consider a solution to fix it. 
Next, we will consider a rebuke that God gives to this attitude. And then finally, we will consider the challenge that is issued to not just the Christians in the first century, but to us as well as Christians. So, without further ado, let's consider the inconsistency. Look at verse 13. If you're not already there in James chapter 4, let's, if you would, turn there to um, verse 13. It says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. James tells us, through the inspiration of God, you say, in reckless arrogance, we say what, James? You say, let's make plans. Today and tomorrow we will go into such a city. He tells us, you say all these things in reckless arrogance and don't give any consideration for what the future holds. You don't have any consideration for um, what God has planned for you. He says, you say those plans are going to be concrete. He says, uh, or he says that the um, Christians of the first century church are telling him um, that they're going to continue their year and buy and sell and get gain. He says, you think everything's going to go according to plan? You think everything's just going to fall right into play the way you think it is? You don't, have, you don't have, number three, a plan B. You don't have a backup plan for this. He says they, they were so sure in their plans that they were going to work out that they didn't have anything to fall back on. God says that's inconsistent because, number two, you don't know. You don't know. You are ignorant. Uh, he tells us, not just the first century church, but to us today, he says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know where you will be tomorrow. They didn't know what was going to happen. In fact, if you read back in uh, James chapter 1 and verse 1, it says that James is writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Why were they scattered abroad? If you look back in Acts chapter 8 and uh, verses 1 through 4, we see that um, at the time his name was Saul, soon to be Paul. Um, he... It says, seek havoc upon the church, or havoc upon the church. He was trying to persecute all of the Christians. They were forced out of their homes. Do you think that they planned for that? Absolutely not. They couldn't be sure where they would be tomorrow. But they were, they were acting like they were, like they had all these grand plans. They had everything set in stone, as they thought. But they had no idea where they would even be tomorrow. But, and not only did they not know where they were going to be, if you keep looking, it says, or James says, for what is your life? Life is. They could be run out of their homes saying, um, or they could be run out of their homes again because they had to travel somewhere else. They were trying to find another place to live. Or they could be dead by tomorrow. James says, life is. What is your life? He gives us a realization of life. He says, life is. Well, what is life, James? Well, I'm glad you asked. Life is, number one, uncertain. Life is uncertain. Anything could happen. Persecution. Uh, being run out of your homes, as we see here in James chapter 1. Uh, loss of family. There could be sickness. Or, hear me out on this one, a worldwide pandemic. That's sarcasm, by the way. We're in one. Brethren, they, we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Life is uncertain. But James doesn't just say life is uncertain. He says, life is short. Life is short. He says, life is but a vapor. It is here one moment and then gone the next. Life is short-lived, brethren. We have no clue what, what the future will hold. For our lives, we are not promised tomorrow. 
Brethren, we are not promised tomorrow. James tells us through the inspiration of God, don't be saying these things. It's inconsistent because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Well, if we're not able to say that, what are we able to say? Well, let's consider the solution to this attitude. Let's read verses 15 together. Verse 15, it says, For that ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. He says, for ye ought to say. He says, you need to say something different. You need to say something different, but not just, number one, in your words. We don't need to just say something in our words, literally say something different. For ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. James isn't just telling us to say something different in our words, but number two, he's saying, we need to say something different in our attitude. We need to say something different in our hearts. If the Lord wills. You know, I personally believe that we use this term, if the Lord wills, very flippantly. And we need to be careful on how we use that. And not just uh, go around saying, well, if the Lord wills, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and go fishing tomorrow. That's not, we don't need to be thinking like that. We need to make plans, yes, but say, if the Lord wills, we will continue with these plans. The first century church, um, the Christian Jews here in James chapter 1 all the way through um, James chapter 6, they didn't have that attitude. They were arrogant. Brethren, we need to make sure in our attitude that we say something different. But not just say something different. We need to say, if the Lord wills. James says, if the Lord wills. He's saying there's a divine purpose. He says, God has a plan for you. God has had a plan for us since the beginning of time. He's had a plan for each and every one of us before we were even conceived in the womb. He's had a plan for you. He's had a plan for you. He's had a plan for you. And he's had a plan for me. Even before we were thought of, he's had a plan. And because God has a plan, that should tell us something, brethren. That should tell us that God is in control. That should tell us that we, as we have already said, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, so we're not in control. Who is? God is. God has, had a, God has a plan for us. That means he is in control. Even though God does not work directly um, through miracles and prophets today, Hebrews chapter, 11 and verse, or Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, he still works in mysterious ways today through providence. So, because he is in control, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. Number two, if the Lord wills, we shall live. James is telling us, there is an acknowledgement of mortality here. We could, number one, live. We may live. Um, we do not know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. We simply do not know. We can make plans, all, we can make plans every single day, but trust me, it's never going to go exactly the way you planned. I guarantee you that 100%. Something is going to change. And sometimes, uh, if God wills, we may live. I, I have or I had a great uncle. We called him Papa Locke. I never got to meet him. I was too young. But um, the Lord willed that he lived to be 101 years old. Brethren, we may live or we may die. I have a cousin whose name is Dale. He didn't get to live but be the age of 15. He was driving home from uh, some kind of event with his parents. And this is before they had the uh, train track lights and their car got stuck on the train tracks and the train hit them and killed them instantly. Brethren, we have no idea what tomorrow will bring for us. And we can't be arrogant in our planning. We simply just can't because 
we, we can't have that confidence of in our own plans. We can have confidence in God's plans as we've already seen because he is in control. But if the Lord wills, we may live or we may die. But not only do we need to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. But James says, we need to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. We need to submit to God's providence. Plans may change. Because God has plans and life is so uncertain, our plans may change. Now, for the past seven years, um, me and my whole family have made a trip to PTP. It's a, um, a Christian conference. I'm sure most of you have heard of it. I know some of you have been to it. It's called Polishing the Pulpit. Every single year for the past seven years, except for this one because life had other plans and it got canceled, we would go to PTP. And without fail, I don't know how this happens, without fail, it's like it's down to a science, like life is saying, hey, on this certain day, we're gonna ruin their plans. Every single year when we would get there, after two or three days of being there for the whole week, we were planning on being there for a whole week, going and having family time, going to different stores, going to good and great, wonderful um, scripture-filled lessons. But then my dad would get a phone call and say, hey, you're gonna have to come back and do a funeral because somebody that's at our congregation has passed away, you're gonna have to come back. Or there's some kind of family issue, you're gonna have to come back and deal with this. Every single year, without fail, our plans would change. Just yesterday, I was talking to one of my buddies on the phone. He said, uh, you know, as I'm gonna be moving to Austin, um, we're getting the apartment ready. And he calls me and says, hey, um, the people here said that you didn't pay for anything. Do what? And for somebody who's a poor college student, that's terrifying. And then he says, hey, the refrigerator smells like rotten meat. What? I didn't plan for this. And then I'm hearing, oh, the U-Haul that we're going to have to um, make a trip from point A to point B and point B to point C, that's going to be super expensive. Well, I didn't pay for this, so I've got to try and figure everything out. Brethren, plans change. Everything's not going to go according to plan. I had this plan. Brethren, I, I was planning this whole um, college trip ever since I was five years old. And right up to the point when I'm fixing to have it done, life said, oh, no, we got other plans. Life is going to make our plans change. But the thing is, God is in control. And if we trust in God, we can have confidence that if we trust in his plans, everything will be okay. And telling the Christians from the first century church their inconsistency and then gives them a solution on what they ought to say James rebukes them. He rebukes them. And let's consider this rebuke. Notice in verse 16. He says, But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. He says, But now you boast. He's accusing them. He's not just accusing them. If we had this same attitude, he's accusing us as well. What's the problem with making plans, James? There's nothing wrong with making plans. Every single human being in the history of um, humanity has always made plans. What's wrong with making plans? This is a surprising accusation, number one. Number two, if you think about it, it's kind of a sobering accusation. Keep your finger marked to James chapter 4 and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And then notice verse 1. It says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. He says, you're boasting and your arrogance. 
It's not that they were just making plans and he was saying, you don't need to make plans. He's saying you're boasting in your arrogance and making plans. There is nothing wrong with making plans, brothers and sisters. There really is not. But we need to be careful not to boast in those plans. He then goes on to say, you boast in your arrogance, number two. He says, you boast in your arrogance. You have a heart problem. you got an attitude problem. He says, number one, you are forgetful. They weren't just making plans for the future. They were making plans and leaving God out of them. He says, we can't be doing that today. Not just those people back then. He's saying today, we can't be doing that. We can't be forgetful. We can't forget God out of our plans. He, doesn't, he goes on to say, you're not just forgetful. You're stubborn. You are stubborn. They weren't taking... Uh, they weren't taking into consideration what God's plans were for them. They were certain. I want you to notice this. They were certain that they had their plans or their lives planned out the way they wanted. They were, they were so set in their ways on what they wanted to do. Are you seeing a pattern here? Are you seeing a me, myself, and I attitude? I've got a question for you, brothers and sisters. Do we sometimes have that attitude today? I know uh, I just gave you an example at the very beginning. I certainly did. I thought everything was going to go according to plan. We can't have that attitude. We cannot be forgetful. We cannot forget God in our plans. We can't be stubborn and say it's going to be this way no matter what when clearly it's not. And then he says, you are selfish. You can't be selfish in your planning or in your arrogance. Now, if you could take anything from this lesson... This is the driving point that I want you to take home. If you're making notes, please stop real quick and look up here. I want you to really, um, I want this to really sink in. It was their attitude that was the wrong, that was the matter. Not what they were saying with their mouths or their words, but what they were saying with their hearts. Now, I'm going to say that one more time. It was their attitude. It wasn't the literal words that they were saying. It was their heart and where their mindset was when they were making these plans. We must be aware of our attitude in our hearts and remember God in our plans. We have to be careful. We really do because this is a very serious matter. James, or rather God tells us that having this attitude is evil. That's why it's so important that we need to be careful. He says that it is evil, that boasting in our arrogance, James says, all such boasting is evil. He is condemning this attitude. Now, there are different categories of boasting. All such boasting is evil, James says. Well, what kind of boastings are there? I personally thought that all boastings were evil. But according to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, it isn't. Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is good and there is evil boasting, number two. There is good and evil boasting. James says all such boasting is evil, and that is to boast in oneself. This condemnation, if you think about it, is actually a surprising one because normally we don't think of arrogant planning as something to be condemned for or to um, uh, be sent to hell for if, if you're just being blunt. Um, most of the time we focus on immorality, we focus on drinking, homosexuality, murder, adultery, lying, and all of these bigger sins. But for one to think that we have everything figured out and that we can be uh, overly confident in our plans is, um, and boasting in our plans is sinful, 
we don't think of things like that. We don't normally preach on stuff like that. But according to God, in his eyes, it's considered a sin. We must be careful. We really do. But James, if you think about it, if you keep reading in verse 17, James doesn't just rebuke them and leave them in the dirt. He doesn't say, look, you're saying all of these things. How dare you say these things? And just kicks them and then just leaves. He doesn't leave them without any hope. He says, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm giving you hope. Let's consider this challenge real quick and then consider it for ourselves. And the lesson will be yours. Let's consider the challenge. And in verse 17, it says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, James says, he's introducing the challenge. Now that I have said all of this, James says, this is what you got to do. He says, to him who knows to do good, number one, identification. He says, note the context here. To do good, what does it mean to do good? My entire life, when reading this verse, James chapter 4 and verse 17, for him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I personally thought that this word good is referring to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are the household of faith. I thought that's what it was referring to. If we have an opportunity to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. Yes, you can make that application. If we have the means and we have the opportunity to do it and we don't do it, we're going to have to be held accountable for that. We're going to have to answer for that on the day of judgment. But that's not what James is talking about right here. What does it mean to do good? Well, for us to know what good is, we have to know what evil is. He says, all such boasting is evil. All such boasting is evil. So, boasting in our arrogance, thinking that we are for sure that we control our lives is evil, by default, that which is good is realizing that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and we need to trust in God. So, to make it more simple, that which is evil is making plans and leaving God out. That which is good is making plans and keeping God in. That's what good is. So, you could actually kind of say this verse, Therefore, to him who knows to make plans and keep God in him and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's what James' driving point is in this entire text. And when I read that, I was blown away because like I said before, or like we were just discussing, we don't normally think of this as a sin and making plans and having overly or being overly confident about it. We don't, we don't preach on things like that. But according to God, it is sin. And the way this year is going, is, I feel like that's something that we need to hear. I know I certainly need to hear it. And like I said in the first sermon uh, that I was preaching the other day, there should be a mirror right here at the front pew because I'm preaching to myself as well as any of you. I need to hear this as well as anybody else in this entire world. And James was teaching this to them as well. He says, therefore, he that knows to do good and does not do it. Notice the sin of omission here. And does not do it. Now there are two different types of sin. As we said already, there's different types of boasting. There's two different types of sin. There's a sin of commission and a sin of omission. A sin of commission is to know that God um, does not want us to do something and we do it anyway. A sin of omission is to know that God wants us to do something and we don't do it. According to this, if we know that keeping God in our plans is something that we need to do and we don't do it, 
that is a sin of omission. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's a sin of omission or if it's, if it's a sin of commission. Bottom line is, it's a sin, and we need to stay away from this attitude. It doesn't matter if, and some people say, oh, well, the sin of commission, you're committing something. You're doing something that God doesn't want us to do. And some people will try to sugarcoat omission. They're both equally bad because they're both sin. It doesn't matter which category this falls under. This attitude is a sin. And he is, James, through the inspiration of God, is saying, be careful. Don't have this attitude. We need to be careful, brothers and sisters. And finally, that which is a sin, it brings us to our last point. To him it is sin. We have been saying this over and over again. And I'm saying it over and over again because when I was studying this, it really hit me that having this attitude and making plans, because if you think about it, it's really obvious, but we just don't think about it. This attitude is a sin. James is warning us. He says, wake up. James tells us we need to wake up and come to the realization that we are not in control. God is. He then says um, he, that we also need to be careful. We need to be careful in making plans in our attitudes. Don't be boastful or arrogant concerning the future. Because if we aren't careful, our attitude could become sinful. And finally, he says... Consider your ways concerning the future. Consider your ways concerning the future. Remember that the future is unsure. It's uncertain, it's obscure, it's unpredictable. And because of that, we need to trust in God. We can't, we can't have the attitude of, I'm going to make plans and I'm going to go with it thinking that everything's going to go just right. Because trust me, it's not. It's not going to happen, brothers and sisters. It's simply just not going to happen. We make plans, we set dates, we look at the future with hope and joy, thinking that everything's going to go according to plan, when we need to stop and consider God's plans for us. But brothers and sisters, we don't need to just consider the plans that God has for us in this life. We need to consider the plans that God has for us in the next. Are you making plans not for this one, but, but for your soul? What is the state of your soul? Have you given much con consideration about that? Are you baptized? Are you saved? You know, it may be the case that uh, you have been baptized. You have considered those plans. You have kept God in your plans. But for whatever reason, you have fallen away and tried to make plans for yourself. Or maybe it's the case that you've always had plans for yourself and you've never considered God's. And you want to become baptized for the mission of your sins. Or maybe it's just simply the case that you just need prayers for strength. But whatever the case may be, brothers and sisters, I beg and plead that you come now as together we stand and as we sing.